A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let me just read that again. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And what we're going to find out this morning that that's true. Friendship, it's a huge issue in the world today, whether you're a teenager, a student, uh, uh, whether you're older, friendship is really, really important to us. Howard Hughes, uh, a famous uh, US uh, billionaire, at the height of his success and wealth, said this, I would give it all for a good friend. He was a multi-billionaire. I'd give it all away, he said, for a good friend. If you have watched, uh, uh, been a follower of US sitcom series, TV series, at the late 90s and through the early 2000s, uh, the series Friends was a huge success with the opening title uh, song over the credits, I'll Be There For You, talking about a group of six friends living together in a New York flat, and uh, people loved the series. People watched it in their millions, and it struck a chord in many people who wanted to enjoy that sort of friendship, to have that sort of friendship uh, themselves. Uh, My oldest friend uh, is actually married to my sister. I've known him since I was 16. We've been close friends for uh, around about 35 years now. We played football together. We went on holiday together. We got in and out of many scrapes together. He makes me laugh. He's loyal and he's generous. And yet he can be incredibly infuriating. He just doesn't agree with me when I know I'm right. If I tell him not to do something, he will probably do it just to annoy me. There have been moments where uh, he would have been in my parents' back room. My parents are in bed. It's uh, it's quite late. And uh, I'm telling him, look, we need to be quiet. My parents are above. And he would get the spoon from the coffee and he would run it along the radiator And then you'd say, Podge, that was his name, Podge, don't do that. And then he'd do it again. There were moments when uh, he uh, let me down. There were moments when I let him down as well. And yet, he's been there at my lowest ebb, and he shared my best moments. He's a good friend. Friendship is precious. And today we're going to focus on this challenge from Proverbs to choose our friends wisely. One of commentators says this, Proverbs is emphatic that a few close friends are better than a host of acquaintances. The writer of many of the Proverbs was a guy called Solomon who was king in Israel. And in his later life, he wrote another book called Ecclesiastes. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, he says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Is that your experience? 
Have we been let down by so-called friends? Maybe we've been so damaged that we won't let anyone ever get close to us again. We won't allow ourselves to be hurt like that again. What sort of friends do we have? What sort of friends do we want to have? The Bible says that God created us for relationship with him, with the God who created the heavens and the earth, but with each other as well. And it's no wonder that the Bible has so much to say about friendship. God loved to walk with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. That's what we're told in the book of Genesis. All through the Bible, it seems that God seeks out friendship with men and women. He doesn't need friends. It's not that he's lacking something, but he seems to love friendship with us. And we read about Abraham. He's calling Abraham his friend on numerous occasions. Moses is called a friend of God. And not only that, the Bible seems to celebrate friendship. One of the famous friendships in the Bible is David and Jonathan. You maybe uh, have heard of them, but they had a great friendship. They were good, good friends, intimate friends. They were guys who loved each other. And in a day when uh, that can be construed in all the wrong ways, they genuinely, as guys, they loved each other's company. They trusted one another. Friendship is good. And the Bible, uh, in the book of Proverbs, gives us pointers to how we, first of all, we choose our friends. Choosing friends. You see, friends don't grow on trees. Friendship has to be initiated. It takes energy. It takes time. We have to invest into it. We have to agree to walk together, the book of Amos says. And for those of you who are just about to change school, maybe you're about to go to college. Those of you who have come to university and you're in university and you're uh, you're just finishing and you're going to start your first job. Maybe you've just moved into the Winchester area. Maybe uh, you've just got a new job, your new employee. Friendship is important and choosing your friends wisely is going to be an important decision. When I uh, went to university and uh, I was in Cardiff, I chose friends badly. I chose it on all the wrong basis of all the wrong things. And even though they were not bad people, I got myself into a real mess because I didn't choose friendships wisely. Here are three qualities that we see in the Proverbs that will help us choose our friends well. The first one is this, is character. If we're going to choose friends well, we need to have friends of character. This is what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says this, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 
If you know anything about science, maybe you've been doing your science GCSEs at the moment, you'll probably have learnt in biology about the process of osmosis. And osmosis is the process by which plants draw from their roots. They draw water and nutrients into the plant. And the process of osmosis means that it talks, it's about high pressure and low pressure, and, uh, 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 sorry, high concentration solutions and low concentration solutions. And what happens is where there's a high concentration, the low concentration is actually sucked through until the concentrations are level. And what it means is that water and nutrients are sucked into a plant and it causes the plant to be rigid. And water travels up the plant uh, by osmosis and by capillary action. That's a bit of science for you. But osmosis, okay, is like that with relationships. People that we spend time around, they impact us. Their values, their morals, their attitudes, their hopes... Their dreams, their aspirations, strong characters, they impact. And like osmosis, it sort of seeps in from, uh, uh, into, uh, from us into them. And so it sucks us into their world if we're not careful. Bad company can corrupt good character. Henry Ford once said this, My best friend brings out the best in me. Does your best friend bring out the best in you? Do the people you mix with, do they bring out the best in you? Or does somehow they they bring out things, qualities that are are not great? So what in terms of character, what, what should we look for? Well, we should look for the Proverbs say we should look for wholesome speech. If you're looking for friends, you look for people and you you watch how and you listen to how they speak. This is what the Proverbs say. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. He who covers an offense promotes love, but he who repeats the matter separates close friends. Both of those Proverbs use the word for a friend. It's the strongest word it can use. It's, It's like a bosom companion, the closest of closest friend. And the writer is stressing the impact of the words that we use that can destroy friendship, that can expose others' weaknesses. Listen to how people talk. Are those the sort of people you want to build friendship with? You don't have to spend long with people to to pick up stuff because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. Wholesome speech. Thoughtfulness. Friends should energize you and not frustrate you. Listen to this. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and he'll hate you. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Friends are thoughtful. They give you space. They know when you need a bit of space. They're not in your face all the time. They don't turn up in your house and, and, and just overwhelm everything. Look for thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness is important. I remember uh, a friend, uh, a friend 
who used to run out into the garden when uh, one of his friends was ringing him. He would run into the garden so his mother could say he was out. He used to do that. I remember being there and him running out of the house. I go, what are you doing? He said, oh, it's just so my mum can say I'm out. What you learn in a moment is that that is a friend who's not going to be reliable. Restraint. This is what the Proverbs say. Don't make friends with a hot-tempered man. Don't associate with one who is easily angered or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. That process of osmosis. If you, if you spend time with people who are hot-tempered, you spend time with people who uh, uh, drink too much, they don't show any restraint with their money or in terms of the way they work or their attitudes in work, what happens is that starts to rub off on you. Watch out for people and how they uh, handle themselves. Do they show self-control? Kindness. Avoid people who are harsh and unkind. Listen to this. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. I remember going to a funeral of a, a close friend. He was early, in his early 20s, and he was killed in a car accident. And it was a huge funeral in Swansea. And uh, there were loads of people there. And I'd known uh, Chris for many years. He'd been involved in leading the youth group with me and my uh, other good friend, Adrian. And uh, he'd been killed in a car accident. And uh, there were lots of people weeping. And I just remember this guy at the funeral saying, Why are you all crying? He's gone to heaven. You should be joyful that he's gone to heaven. And it was like like singing. It's exactly like this proverb. Exactly like this. Singing songs to a heavy heart. I tell you, it was not a blessing. What it made me realize is I didn't know this guy well, but I just thought, I don't really want to know you that well. Not kind. Appropriate. Listen to this. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Some people, when you watch, they're just inappropriate. Firing arrows. Oh, it's only a joke. Only a joke. What? But do you realize the damage that you've done? The words that you've used? The things that you've said, oh, it doesn't matter, it's just a joke. Those are the sorts of things that we watch out if we're going to choose friends wisely. There are loads of other things, loads of other character qualities, but those are some that the Proverbs bring out. But we also, it's not just character, we need to be looking for people who show concern. This is what it says uh, in Ephesians 5, uh, 4 verse 15. It says that we're to speak the truth in love. And if we're good friends, good friends will speak the truth in love to you. They won't just give you the truth harshly. Because they love you, they will tell you the truth. They will tell you the truth about that dress you're going to wear. They will tell you the truth about you, how you did uh, in uh, that setting. They will, they will, because they love you, they will tell you the truth. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Nobody wants 
people just to flatter them. It feels nice for a moment, but you just, in the end, you don't know whether you're getting the truth or not. Friends give good counsel. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what Proverbs 27 verse 17 says. Good friends sharpen us. They rub against us and they, where we're a bit blunt, they cause us to be the best that we can be. They love us so much they don't want us to be uh, left as we are in the state that we're in. So when we're feeling low and we're struggling, a friend will come and say, come on, what's going on? What are you battling with at the moment? Let me help you. They will speak into your life. A good friend is someone who shows concern, is prepared to tell you the truth. They show concern, but they also show commitment. Character, concern, but a good friend shows commitment. Many will say there are loyal friends, but who can find one who is really faithful? Loyalty amongst friends. Boy, that's a precious thing. When you know you've got someone who will stand with you. No one wants fair weather friends. No one wants friends who Matthew Henry, the old commentator, calls swallow friends. They're here for the summer, but as soon as it starts getting a little bit cold, a little bit chilly, they're off for warmer climes. True friends stick. Betrayal by a friend is a painful thing. We need to choose our friends wisely. But it's not just about choosing friends. It's about being a friend. You see, the bigger challenge is this. What sort of friend are you? What sort of friend do we want to be? Maybe the friends that we have are a reflection of the friend that we are. Birds of a feather and all that. Do we show character? Do we bring out the best in other people? Do we speak well? Are we careless with our words? Careless with our promises? Are we kind? Are we thoughtful? Do we bring peace into situations? Are we appropriate in the way that we speak and the way we behave? Do we speak the truth in love? Are we just prone to flattery? Are people sharpened by being around us? Or do we uh, leave them blunt? You see, friendship is not just about finding the right friend, but it's about being the right friend. You see, too often we're concerned about what people are like to us and we're less concerned about what we're like with other people. Both of those things are important. It's important to choose friends well. It's important to be the best friend you can be. But finally, I want to talk to you about the closest friend. Because you see, this proverb, right at the very beginning that I read out, says this. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Is there? Is there really a friend who sticks closer than a brother? 
There's a story in the First World War of two guys who sign up together. And uh, they train together. uh, They get posted together. They do everything together. They become the best of friends. And uh, in the midst of the action, and uh, they're in the middle of a fight, and uh, the one gets wounded, and he's left terribly wounded in the middle of uh, the battleground. There's wire all around. He can't get back. He's slowly dying in the middle of the battlefield. But his friend is back in the foxholes. And his commanding officer says to him, you are not to go back for him. You will not get there. It's t- you will not survive. Don't, you're not to do it. And as when the commanding officer's back is turned He goes. He can't stop himself. Races across the battleground. Gets to his friend. Takes a huge number of bullets. He manages to stagger back into the foxholes. And then he gets there and he's lying there. He's wounded. He's mortally wounded himself. And his friend is carrying his dead. And the commanding officer says, What a waste of time you have. What have you done? He is dead. You're dying Was it worth it? And this guy with his dying breath says, yes, it was. Because my friend's last words were, Jim, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come for me. There is something about a friend who will not abandon us that is powerful, it is precious, it is worth the world to us. A friend loves at all times, but a brother, is, a brother is born for adversity. When your troubles come, when things start going wrong, do your friends gather around or do they head for the hills? Is it possible to have a friend who will not abandon us? In the Old Testament, there is a, a book called Job. And Job is a really interesting book. It's probably the oldest book in the Old Testament. And it's a story of a guy called Job, and Job has everything. He's wealthy, he has, uh, he has lots of livestock, he has children, uh, everything is going well for him. And, but behind the scenes, Job doesn't know this, uh, the enemy, the devil, is, is, is saying he only loves you because, God, you protect him. And God says, no, that's not true, he loves me because of who I am. That's the story behind the story. Job doesn't know this. And so the devil comes against him and and, and basically he loses everything. He loses his health, he loses his wealth, and he loses his family. And he is left destitute in tatters. Everything falls apart and Job Job is distraught. And the story goes that his three close friends come to him. And the book, many people call them, refer to them as Job's comforters with irony because they they talk about them as if they they were rubbish friends. I want to tell you they were pretty good friends because they came a long distance when Job was in trouble. When they got there, they just sat next to him and they didn't say anything. They just listened to him. For seven days and nights, they didn't say a word. That's pretty good friends. 
This is what Campbell Morgan says about them. He says, I like these men for two or three reasons. I like them first because they came to see him when he was in darkness, when the other crowd of acquaintances had all gone. Then I like them because when they came into his presence, they sat still and shut their mouths for seven days. That's a great proof of friendship, the ability to say nothing. And yet again, when they did speak, I liked them because they said everything they had to say to him and not to other people about him. They were pretty good friends. And yet halfway through the book of Job, we find that Job has lost his patience with them because these friends are now trying to convince him that his state, the condition he's in, is all his own fault. It's because he's done something wrong and God's punishing him. And Job knows that that's not true. And so Job gets frustrated with them and he gets cross with them and they, they get more and more entrenched in their position and they rail against Job. And in the end, in chapter 16, Job says this to them. He says, I've heard many things like these miserable comforters are you all. Will your long-winded speeches never end? Fed up with a lot of you so-called friends. And then, A few verses later, Job echoes a heart cry. He says this, Even now, my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. As my tears pour out my tears to God, on behalf of a man he pleads with with God, as a man pleads for his friend. What Job is saying, Job, what's happening here is profound. Job is somehow prophetically foretelling something and he doesn't really understand it. He's, he, deep down he believes that God hasn't abandoned him, that God is his friend. That's what he believes. Even though that everybody's telling him God has done this, he's hanging on to the hope that God will turn out to be his friend and come and, and sort things out for him. But there's something prophetic about what Job is saying. You see, the Old Testament looks forward to a moment. The New Testament looks back to a moment. And that moment is the pivotal moment in all of history. It's when Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to earth. And when he came and he died on a cross on our behalf. And then he rose from the dead to bring us into a relationship with God. That is the focal point of all history. And Job somehow had caught something in his spirit and was prophetically speaking of a day when Jesus Christ would come and would make things right. This is what the book of Hebrews says of Jesus. This is what it says. For Christ entered into heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ was born. He knows what it is to experience life in all its sadness and difficulties. He knows that we need a friend who will stick closer than a brother when times get tough. Jesus knows that. And so he came obedient to his Father in heaven who wanted to restore relationship between us and God. And Jesus came and he paid the price for our wrongdoing, our rebellion, our living without reference to God. Jesus paid the price on the cross. He took the punishment for our wrongdoing. And as a result of that, we can be forgiven. Jesus died for us. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. 
And by his resurrection from the dead, we know once for all, there is a man in heaven interceding for us, pleading for us, our advocate, as Job says, even now my witness is in heaven, my advocate is on high, my intercessor is my friend, as my tears pour out my tears to God, on behalf of a man he pleads with God, as a man pleads for his friend. There is a friend who will never, ever, ever, ever let you down. Jesus Christ will never let you down if you put your trust in him. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who can help you in the midst of the darkest moments, who promises to never leave you or forsake you. At your lowest moment, he's there. When things are going really well, he's there. He loves you so much, he gave himself for you. Greater love have no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friend. Jesus Christ laid down his life that you might become friends of God. How amazing is that? So as we finish... There genuinely is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus himself said, I have called you friends. That's what Jesus said. I have called you friends. In John chapter 15, verse 15, he says, I have called you friends. If you have given your life to Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, if you've come into a relationship with him and know God as your father, Jesus says, you're my friends. You're not just slaves, you're friends, friends of God. Jesus, it says of Jesus that he is the friend of sinners. Wherever you are at this morning, whatever your life has been like, whatever you've done, whatever mistakes you've made, however many bad friends, bad company you've got into, However many times you've been let down and you have let others down, he is a friend to you and he wants to be a friend to you. He wants you to come into a relationship with his father. Have you chosen friends wisely? Maybe you've been struggling because you've been let down badly. You've been hurt Struggling to forgive. You see, at the end of Job, God confronts Job's friends and he says to them, you need to go to Job and you need to put this right. And God says to Job, you need to forgive them. You need to pray for your friends. And at the end of Job, we see the power of forgiveness. In Job 42 verse 10, it says, The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. They were still his friends. They were just human friends. They were like all of us. They'd let him down. But God restored 
their friendship. God wanted it restored. God didn't want Job to be in the prison of unforgiveness. He didn't want the friends to be in the prison of broken friendships. He wanted them to put it right. And maybe this morning there are stuff that there's things that you need to put right. Maybe there's people that you need to forgive. But you're able to do it for one reason alone. You have a friend in heaven. There is one in heaven who, because of what he's done, you are able to let go. You are able to forgive because you know what he's done for you. Maybe your challenge this morning is being a better friend. It's a good challenge. We can all be better friends. Maybe your challenge this morning is as you uh, go into the next phase of your life about choosing your friends wisely. Maybe you need to think really hard about these next days. Pray, God, help me choose my friends wisely as I go to university, as I change job, as I go to college, whatever it is. Maybe your challenge today is, actually, I've been carrying a lot of baggage. I've struggled with broken relationships, and I need to put it right because I've got a friend who will never leave me. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for me. Maybe this morning you've come in and you've, this is the first time you've ever heard about God, about Jesus. Well, there's such good news for you. He is a friend to you, and he wants you to come into relationship with him. That is the best news you will ever hear. In a world of broken relationships and broken promises, there is one who will never break his word to you.